0: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
1: And the elders of that city and the elders of your city got together and basically determined your guilt or innocence. You were protected from recriminations by the decedent's family members. Murder and killing are not the same. It could have been an accidental killing and they would declare you not guilty. But you would reside under their protection in a sanctuary city until that time. So understand the meaning of the commandment. You shall not take someone's life for no good reason and without the appropriate authorization. That's what that means. I can see
0: the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle Hello and welcome to today's Grace to Live radio broadcast with Pastor Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the program, and we're so glad to have you back. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles or on your devices if you can. On today's edition of Grace to Live, we're continuing with Pastor Keith's series, 10 Rules for Life, an antidote to chaos from the Old Testament book of Exodus. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Exodus, chapter 20.
1: Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Father, we thank you for this day that we can worship you in the beauty of your holiness through song, through baptism, through our obedience, through our listening to your voice found in the word of God. Lord, help us today to uh, be changed by what we see here and pray. Help us to be conformed to the image of your Son, to be less like our old selves and more like you. Father, grant me utterance today as I bring a very difficult message, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are back at it today. As If this is the first time that you've joined us today, We are going through an explanation or an exposition of the Ten Commandments that we're calling Ten Rules for Life an Antidote for Chaos. Because this world is so chaotic. There's so much hardship and hurt in this world. And God has given us this quick start guide to humanity, which is the Ten Commandments. We've talked about this before. You think about the Ten Commandments. They are the basic principles by which a society, a family, a civilization, a world are ordered. The first four commandments tell us about our relationship with God, how we relate to Him. The next six tell us how to relate to one another as we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and as we love our neighbors as ourselves. This quick start guide, these 10 rules for life, this antidote for chaos, this GPS, this roadmap to reality teaches us foundationally to honor others above ourselves, to be other oriented, to think about God and others more highly than we think about ourselves, And that's needed and necessary in this world today because as you look around our nation, around this world, there's chaos everywhere. There's upheaval, there's confusion, there's heartbreak, there's hate. I mean, we look down in Thousand Oaks with that murder, that mass shooting where this guy, they think, was looking for his girlfriend and walked into that that bar and killed all those people. Life is cheap. People don't value life to, 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 as as much as they should, and that's why we've entitled this sermon "Respect Life," because that is what is meant when it says in God's Word, "You shall not murder." In Exodus twenty thirteen and Deuteronomy five seventeen, life is cheap these days. According to the CDC, that's the Center of Disease Control in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. Three thousand babies are murdered each and every day in the United States. Now think about how upset we got about September 11th, 2001, where about 3,000 Americans had their lives taken with the coming down of the World Trade Centers. 3,000 babies every day. And it's not just here. Because when you don't respect life, when, when you cheapen and devalue life, you tear at the fabric of the soul and of the civilization. According to the Indian Ministry of Finance, about 63 million little girls were murdered because people wanted little boys. So prior, they do, they test the gender, the sex of the baby prior to birth, and if it's a girl, they snuff out their life. The number is twice as high in the People's Republic of China. So that between India and China, there are roughly 200 million missing little girls whose families wanted little boys, and so they murdered their unborn children. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. No one And nothing seems to be sacred in this world, even life. People murder for insane reasons at insane rates. Let me explain to you a little bit more about what I mean. There is an epidemic in China right now. In China, if you hit somebody in your car, you're responsible for their medical bills. But if you kill them with your car, your liability is limited to roughly $50,000. And so what's happening there right now is people are running over people. And then they're backing back over them to finish the job rather than be responsible or accountable for medical bills. Life is cheap around the world. When God exits a culture or he is squeezed out or excluded, things change. The fabric of society tears. Life becomes unimportant. Think of James T. Hodgson. You probably don't know that name, but during a political speech by a senator, Uh, He said that the other party, Bernie Sanders said the other party was killing people with the way they deal with health care. So one of his campaign workers shows up at a softball game for lawmakers of the other party and begins shooting them, shouting, you're killing people with your health care. And he nearly kills uh, Representative Scalise. People have all kinds of crazy ideas and agendas begin to trump what is true and good and right. People, ideologies like uh, nihilism, philosophies like nihilism, where life is meaningless and therefore life is cheap and it can be taken and no one deserves to live. And so we all should die as quickly as we, as we should. When you go back to the Columbine killers, Eric Harris and Dylan Clayball, that's what they believed. That's what they were taught. And so they acted and took their philosophy to its logical conclusion because life wasn't important, because they did not respect life. There are... Economic systems and political ideologies that place their goals above human life. You go back to the 20th century, and National Socialism in Germany snuffed out over 25 million human lives. In the name of equity and the redistribution of wealth, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics killed 45 million of its own people, of whom they weren't sure bought into their ideology these aren't military combatants these are people who didn't believe the right way the people's Republic of China killed close to 75 million people the same way Cambodia killed a third of its population wanting to re-educate the masses to make them a perfect orderly society life is cheap when there's when God is absent from the mind from the worldview Life is cheap. Chaotic ideals lead to chaotic actions, lead to a chaotic world. And radical ideas and agenda eclipse the will of God and terrible things happen. I think of the agenda that dominates the landscape today. And we know about Kermit Gosnell, right? He's probably the most successful serial killer in U.S. history. He operated an abortion clinic in Pennsylvania. And when children were born during abortion, they are born alive, he killed them to ensure fetal demise. That was his goal. That was his agenda. And that's what he did. Because life is cheap. But God says life is precious. God says that he sent his son to seek and save. To bring life and to, bring, and to give it more abundantly. But the society says that life has a value. And that value doesn't exceed its cost. And we see all kinds of terrible things happening. I had a friend who was in Holland and his mother had a stroke. And they admitted her, mother-in-law, they admitted her to the hospital. And as they are admitting her, uh, one of the people who does the admittance said, are you going to hire a watcher? She goes, what would I need a watcher for? Well, if two doctors get together and agree that her, agree that her life really isn't viable at her age, they can euthanize her without your permission. And so he goes, what about the nurses? And they said, well, no, no, you need to hire a watcher who represents you and your family. There's no respect for life. But it doesn't have to be this way because God has given us his word and he has told us that life is precious and that his son came to save not to kill not to murder and so today we want to take another look at the 10 commandments we're at the sixth commandment now and it says in Exodus 20:13, you shall not murder and what I want to do is to understand five considerations that we need to take into account so that we can respect life, so that we can protect life, so that we can be, through God's power and salvation, givers of life. So let's understand these five considerations to avoid, to avoid further chaos in this culture of death in which we live. And the first consideration is this. When you look at this sixth commandment, you shall not murder, we need to take into consideration the command and its meaning. The command and its meaning. You know, often people think or live as if this commandment doesn't apply to them. But it says, you, you and me, individually and collectively, shall not murder. We shall not murder. It applies to every individual. There is no elite that is exempt. There is no politician or political ideology that is excluded, that does not fall under the jurisdiction of this command. But people say, well, what does it mean? I mean, how do you know what that means? Well, what does it say? It says, you shall not murder. But people, a lot of times, don't understand what that means. Well, it's interesting because when you look at, the word murder in Hebrew—it's kind of interesting, you know. Every like in Eng, like in English, we have words that have worked its way, worked their ways into our language: Spanish, German, French, whatever. And in other countries, they have words like "okay" that have worked our, from our country into their language. Sometimes we call those cognates. Hebrew is the only language in the ancient Near East that has this word in it, and this word means murder: ratsah there's another word for kill in the Hebrew language the Hebrews the ancient Hebrews had six words for taking life and the other word is katal I think we had there it is katal and it's the act of taking someone's life but the Jewish people distinguish between the two because they do not mean the same thing the word uh, ratzah has to do with the intentional murder the intentional killing of someone without justification it carries the idea Of murder with intentional violence it is not accidental a lot of times in our society we like to say well you know capital punishment is murder or this is murder or that is murder and we don't understand the difference you know I'll give you a case in point we have some examples here tears in my eyes kill but do not murder bacteria killing and murder different things we think of it differently even though we try to blur the distinction when it suits us weed killer kills but does not murder weeds there's a difference people are killed but not murdered by diseases a person may be struck and killed but not murdered by lightning and so it is you shall not murder does not mean you shall not kill those are two different things we're going to get into that in a moment but there's nothing accidental about murder Murder has nothing to do with accidents. It is different than accidental killing, manslaughter sometimes. And in fact, in the Old Testament, if you kill somebody by accident, they had something called sanctuary cities. Now, we hear about sanctuary cities today. They have nothing to do with the Bible, nothing to do with the Old Testament. And that principle that is in the Bible doesn't apply today to what we call sanctuary cities. A sanctuary city in the Bible was where if you kill somebody accidentally, you fled to the city, you are protected from retribution... And the elders of that city and the elders of your city got together and basically determined your guilt or innocence. You were protected from recriminations by the decedent's family members. Murder and killing are not the same. It could have been an accidental killing and they would declare you not guilty. But you would reside under their protection in a sanctuary city until that time. So understand the meaning of the commandment. You shall not take someone's life for no good reason and without the appropriate authorization. That's what that means. Let's move on to our second consideration, and that is the command and its misinterpretation. We live in an era where we're sloppy with our words. We live in an era where we are careless with the things we say. All you have to do is look in the newspaper or go to Twitter, you know. uh, The president says that the media is the enemy of the people. Well, I don't know if that's true. I think the media is biased, certainly. But I don't think declaring them the enemy of the people is the right thing. Bernie Sanders talking about Republicans killing people through their approach to health care. And I don't think that's true either. I don't think anybody's getting lined up and shot because of the change in the health care laws. We need to be careful with how we think and how we speak. And this was all about the command and its interpretation. I've heard people say, well, the Bible says you shall not kill, therefore X, Y, and Z. So let's not read into the text. Let's not read our own pet projects and pet ideologies into the text. Let's understand... Let's understand how not to apply this command. This command has nothing to do with pacifism, for example. It has nothing to do with pacifism, the idea that you don't resist violence, that you don't defend yourself, whether at home or at war. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do, we are in California after all, with vegetarianism or veganism. I walked by a car at Pete's Coffee and it talked about you know eating meat is murder. And it had all this profanity on it as I was walking by, I couldn't help but notice that it had leather seats, but hey, you know. This, this, this commandment has nothing to do with prohibiting capital punishment. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. There is no, you cannot make a case for prohibiting capital punishment with this command. Let me walk you through why I say that. Where do I get off saying that? I look to the word of God. I listen to what God has to say in scripture as he speaks to me. Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 2. Nothing to do with pacifism. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it and clears away the many nations before you, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you, and when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You must eradicate them. And that was calling for the eradication of every man, woman, and child in war. Right? There's no "you shall not kill." You can't make that case from scripture. In Exodus 21:22 to 25, talks about the killing of the unborn. When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined. As the woman woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, you shall pay life for life. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. It limits liability, but if you do it and the baby dies, if you cause the death of an unborn baby, the penalty was capital punishment. Or this passage we have right here. If a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. If someone is breaking into your house and is a threat to your family and you take his life, that's okay, okay? So self-defense is not murder. Killing people in war is not murder. Eating Elsie the cow is not murder. You, you can't make that case from Scripture. Kidnapping in the Old Testament. Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Exodus 21, 16. And I remember when, growing up when kidnapping and other crimes were still punishable by capital punishment. Well, people a lot of times say, well, wait a minute. Jesus was against capital punishment. You know, they'll say, Jesus never taught about this, or Jesus never taught about that, or Jesus never affirmed any of this. Is that your final answer? Because in the Bible, he does. If you've read your New Testament, in Matthew five seventeen to 19, "...do not think I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one Yoda, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished." Therefore, whoever relaxes the least of one of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Even Jesus in his discussion with Pontius Pilate, and and, and he's not responding to Pilate's threats or, or exhortations. He says, don't you know I have the power of life and death over you? He says, you only have what's been given to you from above. And the ones who brought me to you have committed the greater sin. Jesus isn't debating the injustice of capital punishment. He's debating with Pilate. The violation of the rule of law okay Jesus never ever ever refutes the idea of capital punishment ever now I know I know some people will say well what happens if an innocent person becomes is executed by mistake and that's why you have trials that's why the Old Testament you had to have at least two witnesses they had to be tried by the by the elders of the city where they lived and things like that but the bottom line is this the danger of executing the wrong person has always existed but the law has been given The law has been given. That's why we call it capital protection. Capital protection. It is mandated. It is mandated in Genesis 9-6. And Genesis 9-6 tells us that whoever sheds the blood of a man by man, his blood shall be shed because man was created in the image of God. Whoever sheds the blood of a man by man shall his blood be shed for God created man in his own image. That's a command. We call it capital protection. That's a better description. Why is that? Because when you execute somebody, you don't correct them or retrain them. You take them off the playing field so that they're not a threat to society. So that they are not authors of chaos and confusion and upheaval like this murderer down there in Thousand Oaks. So let's understand the commandment and its misinterpretation. Be careful what you say about God's word and what you say about God. Because he has not forbidden capital punishment. Capital punishment has nothing to do with murder. Murder has nothing to do with killing in war or eating meat or anything like that, or defending your family and yourself, or your property from a thief. Nothing to do with that. That's not murder at all. Which brings us to our third consideration, the commandment and its interpretation. So what does it mean? We kind of alluded to this already. What does it mean? Let's get back to the meaning of this word saw here. It carries the idea of murder, of taking a human life with intentional violence. It's not an accident, it's on purpose, it's unjustified, and it's not our place. God created life, he created men and women in his image, and we as individuals, no matter how we feel or how strongly we feel about a matter, don't have the right to take that life. We don't have the right to take that life. Murder is a special kind of killing, it's a special category of sin where the image and likeness of God is vandalized in multiple and myriad ways and multiple myriad levels. It's a particularly disruptive and injurious act to culture and to society and to the lives of those affected. It's a particularly chaos-inducing behavior that tears at the fabric of souls and societies. Why? Because it's a destabilizing force. And we become numb to it. We, oh, somebody got murdered yesterday. No big deal. It's a big deal. Because depending on where that person stood in relationship to Jesus Christ, his or her eternity is now set. And you look at the revenge cultures around the world, honor killings in Pakistan, in the Arab world, in Muslim countries where if a woman is raped, she's killed by her family as if she was the criminal. These revenge cultures and their culture of violence, they don't respect life. They respect the wrong things. It's crazy. People take the law into their own hands and murder. Life becomes cheap, devalued, rather than precious. And life is precious because God created it. And the, and the Word of God tells us it is neither male nor female, nor free nor slave. For we are all one in Christ. God values each and every life. And when we make someone or some agenda or something, or we make our or we play God and make our will greater than the will of God, we create confusion. We create mayhem in society when we do not expect life. What's the big deal? Well, here's the big deal. Murder is the ultimate act of blasphemy because other human beings, no matter who they are, where they come from or what they look like, have been created in the image and likeness of God. And God sent his son to die for them, not to take their life. You don't have the right, governments don't have the right to willy-nilly exterminate and extinguish the unborn or the infirm or the weak or the old. They just don't have the right to do that. Murder is the ultimate act of selfishness, and I would say narcissism, a form of self-worship, because somebody offended you, or somebody doesn't think like you, look like you, act like you, and so they deserve to die. Think about it. And that includes self-murder, suicide, same thing. You've, you play God in your life, and you end your life. You don't have that right. You didn't give yourself life, and you can't take your life away. That's God's provision, which means murder is the ultimate act of idolatry because it's self-worship at every level. We elevate ourselves to Godhood. We demote God to something less than his written will and his known and understood intentions. And we engage in the ultimate act of self-worship. We play God. We, We want what we want and we'll kill to get it. And that's one of the reasons that these are some of the reasons that murder is addressed through capital punishment. Because someone who takes a life like that God has said they must die. And that's why we call it capital protection because you're not training them to behave differently. You're taking them off the playing field and protecting the rest of society from someone who thinks and acts that way.
0: Pastor Keith Crosby